More than I release my fears. 
Let's pray. You want to clap? Go ahead. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning, Lord. And Lord, as Paul was talking to the Corinthians, as much as we would bear the earthly, we are predestined, Lord, to bear the heavenly also. We've heard so much how this is a negative, Father, and there's so many positives that we look at from the human mind of this existence we're in. But Father, it's gonna be so much greater. And as our Sunday school lesson taught us, Father, we won't be a spook on a cloud playing a harp. We will have bodies, glorified bodies, which a part of it will be this redeemed body, and it'll be glorified, and it'll be just like yours. We praise you this morning. We worship you, Father. Touch each and every heart, Lord, and those tithes and offerings, I pray that you would bless and magnify for your kingdom. We love and worship you, Father, in Jesus' name.
Amen. How many willing to keep praising his name? Amen. Let's give the Lord another hand. Amen. Give me the key of D. Amen. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. I lift it up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power in love as we sing, holy, holy, holy. Holy, 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 I want to see you. Won't you stand and sing with me? Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. I want to see you. Open the eyes. Open the eyes of my heart. See. Open the eyes of my heart. I want Brother Brad, I ask you to give me a song, amen, this morning, amen. Y'all be seated for a moment, amen. Have Brother Brad come, amen. Praise the Lord. Y'all happy to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. God is good, isn't he? serving the Lord for a few years and I remember hearing this song so many times finally one day I just said wonder what that means wonder what Beulah means and so I looked it up and I think I was more confused after I read what it meant than when I didn't know what it actually meant if you look in uh, Wikipedia in Hebrew it means that you're married to the land. And if you apply that to the land that the people of Israel will marry, the land of Beulah is referred to in various hymns for, for that. 
I thought, okay, so we're married to a land. And then if you look in Isaiah 62, 4, it says, Beulah means married and is applied to the land of the people of Israel. But thou shalt be called Hevzibah and thy land Beulah. For the Lord delighteth in thee and thy land shall be married. Aren't you glad that the Lord delights in you? Amen. Doesn't that just kind of make your heart go pitter-patter? Amen. I know you all know this song, so just sing it with me. Well, I'm kind of homesick for a country. which I have never been before, no sad goodbyes will Time won't matter anymore. Why don't you stand and sing it with me now? across that river well just across that river to where my faith it will end inside there's just a few more aren't you glad for that thank you Lord a few more days to labor and then we will take our heavenly flight
His light will 
singing and worship here is good all the time. Amen. Matthew chapter 19 this morning. Greet you in the name of the Lord. Happy to have you all here once more. Happy to have Sister Mom here today. Praise God. Good to see her. Amen. Slowly uh, getting strength back. Amen. Get to keep her for a while longer. Amen. I'd like to see her make it till the Lord comes. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. You know, at, at any rate, um, as Paul said, you know, if that doesn't happen, you're not going to hinder those that are asleep. They actually rise first. <laughs> Amen. He said, one of these mornings, you know, be standing in your kitchen and have a funny little feeling go over you and turn around and there'll be that loved one who passed away standing there smiling Amen. at you. Amen. Another place talked about a little funny, like a little pain go through your body. Said it'll be the last pain you ever had. Amen. Praise the Lord. Doc Meredith, Doc Andrew, you'll be out of, out of, out of a job. <laughs> and, amen. Happily so. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. God bless you this morning. And uh, we're going to look right here at Matthew's gospel in the 19th chapter. Happy to have all of you here in the house of God. Amen. Just looking, make sure I'm probably usually overlooked visitors, but I don't see any this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Glad good to see you here still with us. Praise God. <clears throat> Amen. Matthew chapter 19, 16 through 20. And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is, God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He saith unto him, Which? Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal Thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man said unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who, can be sa- who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Hallelujah. Amen. You love the Lord this morning. Let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your great mercy in our lives, Lord, and we are very, very much ready now just to put our hearts and minds into your hands this morning, that you 
lead us in the paths of righteousness that you might instruct us. Lord, where we need instruction, reprove us and even rebuke us where we might need that. Above all things, we come today a little closer to the image that you saw of us before the foundation of the world. May that be the result of this day's service. We commit it to you in your hands. Commit it to you and into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you, friends. You can be seated. Amen. I want to take a odd little title this morning, and all I all I can tell you is this is how it came to me. So if it's a strange title, I'm strange. <laughs> I want to take a title, The Improbable, Implausible, Impossible Word of God. <laughs> Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. The Improbable, Implausible, and Impossible Word of God. Jesus really had astonished his disciples with you know, with his comments from a real life event. This was not just a parable. This was actually a historical event. There was a young man who had, who was what we might call today, uh, we might say a fine young man. That, that was a fine young man. Uh, Mark records the same story in the 10th chapter. Luke records the same story in the 18th chapter. It's a very important story. And Brother Branham picks up this rich, he calls him the rich young ruler. And it's significant because later on, we find that Jesus looking forward sees that this young man someday, that he will stand on his rooftop and he will overlook his vast wealth and he will determine that his wealth is so great and his ambition is so great and his future plans are so great that his barns aren't going to be big enough and he's going to need to completely tear down his barns and silos and all of his warehouses and rebuild them much bigger. And, you know, and that's not an uncommon thing. And I don't even necessarily say that you know, you, you, you always want to accomplish all that you can. That's not really the issue. It's just who do you want to accomplish it for? And what's the real motive behind your desire to accomplish? There, we're going to accomplish things as Brother Jason uh, DeMars was teaching us this morning. That world that's coming, friends, is going to be beyond description. I mean, we can stand here and try to describe it, and we can use superlatives and descriptive terms, and, and we can go back and Brother Branham can talk about what it's going to be. And we can, we've actually, I've, I've preached sermons that chart the acreage alone, you know, uh, of, of, just the, of just the holy mountain where the new city that comes down upon it. And I mean, you, you're, you're talking you know, about millions and billions of acres and uh, that, that spread out across the world. And it's going to be more than just sitting on a cloud playing a harp. Brother Branham says, we're going to live. We're going to life. It's going to be a fantastic time. Uh, and so there's nothing wrong with, you know, thinking large. And, and I think large all the time. But I want to say, like Jesus, you know, what's, What's my real 
motive and what's my real objective? Am I laying up treasure for this side? That's foolish because you can't take it with you. And, and he says, Jesus reasoned to say, human reasoning, mind you, that don't even, don't even you know, put a lot of effort into laying up treasure here where thieves and moth and rust can just take it all away from you. Uh, but lay up treasures on the other side where thieves aren't, where moth and rust don't corrupt anything, see? And so it's, it's just, it, it becomes common sense to do it that way. But I, I'm going to suggest to you today that it's a common sense that's otherworldly. It's not a, a, what we would call human reasoning. You know, the, the, the human reasoning looks at the Christian and with all of his principles, like the ones I just laid out about lay up treasures on the other side, you know, and uh, things like our enemies. I mean, that was so anathema to Jews who had been taught their whole life an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Jesus was unorthodox as unorthodox could be. And so he was, uh, he was radical. He was an itinerant. He was radical itinerant. And, and they, you know, everything that he, that he talked about, you know, was contrary to what the religious hierarchy uh, of Israel wanted at that time. And for that reason, they were against him. And for that same reason, religious hierarchy is against the word of God today. And will recommend, I mean, religious hierarchy of human reasoning of the world today rec recommends that we don't operate this way. Yeah. Recommends to me, hey, don't preach against those things. You could have a larger crowd. You know, go ahead and, let, and let's make a, let's, let's turn it from a, from a sacred sanctuary in, into a, into a, you know, uh, an auditorium of, of not just sacred worship, but an auditorium of entertainment. That's what the world, you know, it's all about numbers. And Brother Branham said they were doing that, you know, way back in his day, a million more in 44, and it was always the goal. And, but a little casual search of history finds out that as soon as the church back in the early days started letting down the bars... Sheep got out, goats got in, and the church got corrupted. Oh, yeah. Amen. That happens in homes. Yeah. That happens in lives. Yeah. You lower the bars, and what happens? The Holy, you know, the Holy Spirit ends up going away offended because you've let too many things of the world into your life, yeah. under your roof, in your family. You, yeah. your, your priorities get switched. See ya. Go ahead, destroy yourself and your loved ones. Because that's going to be, you say, well, well, you know, they might could make it big. To what end? To what end are you going to make it big? To do what? Once you make it. Then afraid and live in fear to have to try to keep it? What do they have? You know, I mean... I'm not, I don't want to go down a rabbit trail of it today, but I've preached on it before. And, and, and um, I mean, listen, you know, we, we've talked about, we put a blocks of life and showed, you know, just it was such a, a visual image to just show 80 years in blocks. 
and how far down the list you already are. I mean, you know, if we, if we take the promised years, I'll give you a shocker. Are you ready? I promise you it's going to astonish you. I've never said it to anyone that it didn't go, wow. It did that to me. We, we talk about the promised years. And we talk about, you know, 70 years, the promised 70, we call it. Now, some people, thank God, Sister Jean is 13 years past that. See, Brother Eddie made it past that. Many a 16-year-old don't get a fourth of that. Who pass away. So life is uncertain. You don't know that you might be here today, but not here tomorrow. It could happen in a moment. You know, they're even young athletes in their prime. I mean, how, how many, how many we could go down the list of world famous, uh, world-class athletes in their 20s fit? That's an understatement. And on a on a on a on a soccer pitch, fall over dead. On a football field, fall down dead. In a boxing ring, what? You know, running, riding a bicycle, just fall over dead. Here we have no continuing city. But I do seek one to come. I do want to continue. I'd very much like to continue. You know, as Brother Jason was saying this morning, life is beautiful. The world is a beautiful place. I, I said to you some time ago, people could say, well, if you, if you knew what my life was, you wouldn't say that. But... Come on, that's only because, I get that, but that's only because you're in that. If all of that went away and you had no problems and everything was on peace and joy forevermore, life is beautiful. The world is beautiful. Take all the sin away. And so we, we're going to a beautiful world. We're given here, you know, 70 promised years. And, you know, you say here today, some of you may be in your teens or your 20s, your 30s, and 70 looks so far away, I promise you it don't stay looking far away very long. <laughs> I remember Brother Eddie used to say to me, boy, you'll be 30 before you know it. He wasn't wrong. And then he would start saying, boy, you'll be 40 before you know it. He wasn't wrong. And, you know, that even if you live, I mean, if we just use the promise 70, can we do that? Let's just call it an average and call it the promised 70. You've only got 3,600 weeks of life and you're done. 3,600 weeks. I mean, weeks go by like that. It was this last week and then the week before that and we're already now weeks past Christmas and it was just a day or two ago. If you live 70, you've only got 3,652 weeks of life. And how many weeks have you already blew through? Sobering, isn't it? So if we're going to chase something, you know, this fine young man, this is a story of a, of a fine young man who, was, who actually was interested in God. And he was obviously wealthy and educated and upwardly mobile and charismatic, whatever he must have had. He must have had all the right stuff to be able to accomplish so much from such a young age. He was already a ruler, see. And, and we find that Jesus showing in, at the end of his life in hell, he lifted up his eyes. Because he, as Brother Branham said, he knew he, he, he had, he had tells, he says to Jesus, the Ten Commandments, I've I've kept those since my youth. I'm a fine young man. I've been in church. 
I understand right from wrong, but Brother Branham points out, and when, he, when, when the rich young ruler said that, Jesus didn't contend with that. Now, Jesus would have when those Pharisees said things. Jesus said, you're a liar. This man, he didn't disagree with that at all. But he says, but if you would be perfect, in other words, and, and you're going to have to be perfect because you've got to stand and marry the perfect son of God. So now there's no way you can do that. All you, but what you can do is have faith in that which can make you stand before God as perfect. And a prophet points out that he was a good fellow, good guy, been raised in church, believed. It was a really fine young man, but yet even he knew that he was still coming up short of eternal life. It's a, it's a sobering thing for fine young men here today. Fine young sisters. It doesn't, you don't even have to be young. You could be older. It, it's, a, it's a sobering reminder. And, and what Jesus was saying to him sounded implausible. It sounded, I mean, it it, it sounded to say, why would I give up all of my hard-earned work? And it was simply that the young man did not value. And so many times I see people come up short because they don't have the right value set to their priorities. Yeah. You know, it's... Leadership is a a paradoxical thing, whether it's a a father in a home or a mother. I mean, she's the first pastor of the children. Whether it's a church, church is just a collection of families. Amen. 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 Do we want a spiritual church? Well, then that's up to you. I can preach it all day long. He can anoint me and I can bring you the word. But if you want a spiritual church, you got to have spiritual families. Because the church is just a collection of families. And, and, that, and Brother Branham said, no matter how much I prepare and pray and am anointed in the back room, and you wouldn't even be able to guess the hours of preparation that go into just a single sermon. Sometimes you're thinking on it for days and weeks. And, and, and studied and have it ready and be anointed with the dynamics of the Holy Ghost and prophet said, and walk out here anointed, studied and prepared and the Holy Spirit feel resistance. He just won't move. He just won't move. And I'm going to tell you something, friends, you're in a day where you can't afford to come to a Sunday service and not have him move. We need him moving. Hallelujah. We need to have the dynamics of the Holy Ghost. It's far too late of an hour. Playing church is long ago gone. People are perishing, crossing the line between judgment and mercy, sealing their doom in a tribulation, just like this fine young man. Jesus said, Jesus knew his problem. And your problem, yours might be different from mine. His was different from Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was cheating people. And... uh, he comes down and confesses, I'll, I'll repay. He went back to the law. I'll repay every man. I think it was fourfold or tenfold. There was two different laws governing that. And I think he, he was talking about the one that was fourfold. Uh, and, and Jesus didn't require Zacchaeus to sell all that he had and follow him. Because that, that, Zacchaeus didn't have that, that, that issue. This young man had that issue. 
See, what is your issue today that the Lord is knocking on your heart and saying, you need to let that go? You, you come, I can say, well, well, the other person, not, forget the other person. This is you. Paul, Pilate said, what shall I do with Jesus called the Christ? Brother Branham used him in leadership there in Covina. Brother Branham you, you proved that, that leadership is a timeless principle. It transcends time. It came, came down out of heaven. And, and Brother Branham said, now, okay, you had a mother, you had a, a father, you were a little child, you had a Sunday school teacher, you had a pastor, you've got a school teacher, you've got a university professor, and, he, and so, you know, he just covered the whole gambit of humanity, wherever they might be. And he comes down to the final question that really was the, the only question that even mattered. And he said, who is leading you now? Yeah, amen. Amen. Sobering question, because we're all being led. He said, you're either being led from above or beneath. There's three realms above and three realms below, and you're in the middle, and you're influenced by those upper or lower realms. That's a fact. Yeah, amen. You can't go anywhere to escape that. Man, that's, that's how we live. And so you have to make these sobering decisions. This is my first sermon in the new year, and I want to get it right. I want you to know that, the, that this world can't just keep going on forever. Uh, it, the age can't just keep going on forever. He only had seven stars in his right hand, and he's already deployed them. There was only seven ages, and we're already at the end of the last one. It can't just keep going on. It can't actually. So what are your preparations? You know, it's, leadership is such a, a, a vital thing. And we see, you know, today Satan wants you to be led contrary to God's word. Satan wants you to be led, you know, by Laodicea. Now, the problem with that is is Laodicea has a God over it that ain't the God. It has a worshiped being, an antichrist spirit that's leading it. So you just have to ask yourself this question, do I want to be led by human reasoning and understanding and let Laodicea take me on, you know, the, the, the Pied Piper take me like a rat down and drown me? Or, or am I willing today to say, away with the reasoning of the world? I will take the way with the Lord's despised few. I know it's Im implausible. I know sometimes it's, it's improbable what God is asking me to do. There's no way it can come out good until it does. Until it does. I'm here to tell you something, friends. That Those people that live in that world, you just remember... I, I, when I'm standing in a crowd and I, I can never resist people saying, oh, well, you know, the world is ending. I always seem to find myself speaking up, <laughs> try to tell myself, shut up, don't say anything. No, just be quiet. And I can't. And I just have to say, you know, it's not ending. They're happy to hear that. They're like, oh, you must be, you know, some guru. You must be some motivational speaker. I am. <laughs> motivate you to the most wonderful world I ever thought of. The world is not ending. It's, being it's just transitioning. Even the millennium is not even the ending of time. We're still counting times and centuries. I'll still be alive in the 27th century. 
The world just keeps right on going. It's just that, 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 that sinners are going to perish in self-destruction called Armageddon. And the devil's going to be put in a chain of circumstance. And the, and the, and the earth is going to right itself because it was atomic power that rocked it off of its axis. Atomic power is going to write it back up. And then the, pa- the polar caps with tropical vegetation down under them will all... You're talking about global warming. It's going to be a beautiful place. The whole world will come back in nature and the curse will be lifted and nature will function again like it used to be. And the saints will rebuild and that's just the honeymoon. Then it's a new heavens and a new earth. Not a different one, but now a holy fire. And someday we're going to stand on this world. And I'm here to tell you the people that stand on that world. And that's not Disney. That's not Fantasy Island. That's reality. That's soon going to be history. Hallelujah. We're going to stand there. And the people who stand there then are going to be so glad they decided now to take the way of God's word. No matter how improbable, no matter how implausible, no matter how impossible it sounds. Because God calls for leadership according to his word. Leadership, Satan's not afraid of leadership as long as it doesn't have application. He's not afraid of you understanding leadership. Leadership was in heaven. It was, Satan wasn't, Satan, Satan was rebelling against the operation of leadership. Not the thought of it, not the teaching of it, the operation of it. Heaven had a hierarchical leadership system. And Satan was all the way at the top. He was right hand to the angel of the Lord on the throne. But he wanted the the main chair. He wanted first chair. He didn't want second chair. And his greed and his, his jealousy and his... You know, it got the better of him. And he was an angel all of light until sin was discovered in him. He had an eye disease. I will ascend. I will be like the Most High. And, and so, you know, that it's, it's, that, it's that rejection of the operation of leadership. Satan don't care how much you understand it as long as you don't apply it. Listen up, fathers. Satan don't care. He'll, he, you, he'll let you sit in a message church for decades. He'll help you get to church. You lose your keys. He'll tell you where they are. He wants you to think you're all right when you're not. That's a, that's a tactic he uses to get you to think I'm in a right church. I got a good pastor. I'm hearing the right word and I enjoy the presence of the people and I have a good time at church. And, and, and maybe you've sit in for decades and have never really had a new birth experience. He's all, he's all too happy to let you go on thinking that. I was talking to a young man uh, yesterday and we, we were conversing back and forth and he got it. He got it so clearly. The whole idea that, yeah, you can sit here in this church and you can believe it and you can enjoy it and you can love what it does and see the product it produces in the families. But have you been born again? Have you passed from, have you passed from death to life? Every man has to ask the question, what shall I do? You already know what I'm doing. What are you doing? Hallelujah. If you've got godly parents, young people, you already know the choice they made. What's your choice? And so, you know, I don't want to get too bogged down in that. But, you know, it's, it, it affects the priorities of families and 
families are, it's, it's a paradox really because it has to be, it's, it's actually proper leadership in a home, which then is the same in a church. It's actually paradoxically, it has to be built from the ground up, but it operates from the top down. It's like it's a paradox. It has to be built on the found, proper foundation and built up according to the word. And once you have that from the capstone, which the head of any family is the father or the husband, and then above him is the Holy Spirit. Amen. And, and so everybody has a head. Nobody's out from under it. See? And it's a, it's a trickle-down operation. It's a trickle-down. It's a top-down management. And it's got to work that way. And if anybody along, you know, that's where we're prob- families have problems. If, if, if wives don't get their place, if teenagers don't understand their place, if everybody's, you know, trying to be at the top of the heap. God, you, you listen, you want a family and you want a church that God can get behind. Anything outside of the line and order of God's word, I don't care what you do, it will fail. It must fail. It's not eternal. God can't support it. Amen? It's my first sermon of the year. We need to have this thing established. Brother Branham says this in What Shall I Do With Jesus Called the Christ? He said, all these things that he prophesied to be in this day, something has to bring that to life. But when it's brought to life, It'll be so much different than people think it is till it'll only be the elected will see it. Always. Just the elected is the only one, only thing that'll see it because it is elected and ordained to see it. Therefore, it cannot. No other way. Now, that's historically, biblically inarguable. That is inarguable in the Bible. You go back and you look at that and and every time it was only the elite, uh, the elected family of God <clears throat> that, that understood and followed after God in his strange movements Amen. and things that he did that defied expectation and, and the ways he did it and that, that are, that he says, your ways are not my ways. My ways are not yours and my ways are above yours. Amen. So this is where faith is going to come in. You cannot look at the word of God from a, uh, a, a, a always a possible, plausible or possible way because it is often improbable, the things that God will do or ask of you to do. It is at oftentimes implausible that the Lord will say, if you'll do it this way, you'll have this good result. And, that it, and the way he's suggesting is so implausible. Lord, are you kidding if it seems that if I do it that way, I'm never going to accomplish this. You know, I, I remember one time years ago, um, so, you know, uh, and, and I'm not going to go into detail, but someone was contemplating moving here and attending this church and said to me, you know, we, we, we've built up this wonderful business and, you know, we feel the pull to come there. We have no church. We have no real uh, word where we live and, and, uh, you know, the far closest church is many hours away. And, and then we're not even sure that church would work for us. And we appreciate your ministry. 
Brother Jason, but you know, we've got this mind battle because this business that we've built up. You know what I said to them? I said, well, here's my counsel. If you believe that you built the business, then you should probably stay here and hang on to it. But if you believe that God built it, then what's the, where's the question? You think he can't rebuild it here if he wants you here? And that, and that did the trick. And they relocated. And that was many years ago. And, and so, so we find that the word of God is often completely impractical. It is largely unpredictable. And more often than not, it is in direct opposition to human reasoning itself. I mean, you know, when I, when, now when I think about it and I see David looking up at the stars and, and I mean, when I do the same thing, I'm like David. I say to myself, who could deny a divine creator? When I walk outside and look up into the heavens and see the stars and the, and Brother Branham said, those stars are further apart from each other than they are to you. See? And so, so like David, I mean, that, that's, that's where, where I, that's what I come away with. Yet science makes its claims against a creator. I remember Anthony Hitchens, who I believe has passed on and and, you know, he, he made a statement one time that, that all arguments uh, fall before, all arguments of a divine creator fall down before scientific reasoning. And, you know, I would say this, that he's not completely wrong in that premise. It's just that he, he, looks, he was looking at it out of balance. I mean, God does do things that seem impossible. God does do things on purpose that are on purpose and he has intent. Now, not malice. He has, his intent is life. His intent is to get you to have faith because without faith, it's already impossible to please God. A lot of times if your faith isn't, you're not pleasing him because your faith isn't high enough, he will put you in impossible situations again and again and again until you trust him and then let him get you out of it and then you'll see. Hallelujah. Listen, friends, the fastest way to get a trial is the fastest way to get a test is fail one. (laughs) I've been saying that for years. The fastest way to get a test from God is to fail one. And I promise you, you'll take it again and again, and again, until you pass it. See? So, you know, I, I'm, but, but I'm like David. I look at the heavens and, and a truth wells up within me. I remember, you know, when we first built our house there in Christine, we were the only ones in that neighborhood was, didn't have maybe a third of the houses. And we were one of the fir- fir- most early families in our cul-de-sac. We were the only house. There were no other houses in our cul-de-sac. Me and my boys would go out. It's one of my fondest memories. Me and my boys, they were just, you know, I forget probably at, at that time, 1999, however old they would have been. And we would go out into the cul-de-sac and, and we would lay in four ways with our heads all together. And we would lay there and just look up at the stars and I'd talk to them about God and about creation. And they would just look there and their wondering eyes just marveling at these things. 
And that, that's something that pays dividends to me now. Amen. See? And so, so we, we, when I look up at the heavens, there's something that it, within my soul that I can't put it under a microscope. Right. I, neither can I put love under a microscope, but I know it's real. Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I might can't explain that feeling I have like David, I might couldn't explain that to Anthony Hitchens. Yeah. Frankly, I wouldn't even care to. Because sometimes the feeling we have in our heart defies explanation. You can't even explain it to yourself. You just believe it. There's just something that hangs on inside there that won't let you doubt it. I'm, I'm here to tell you I'm sure that if Mr. Hitchens did not repent before his deathbed, he is, you talking about an agony of regret. He's a believer today. Millions of people are going to become believers too late. See? When we think about historical occurrences that are based and driven by prophecy, I'm, I'm a student of history and I, for years, have, have correlated prophecy and history some of my favorite is to take the visions of Daniel and the four Gentile kingdoms beginning with the head of gold and on down through uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the, and the Persian Empire and the Grecian Empire and the Roman Empire. And, you know, and, and then when you look and, and you can see all other ancient Eastern cultures, you know, the Assyrians were a great nation. That was where Jonah was sent. To Nineveh was their was their royal capital, uh, was their federal capital there in in Nineveh, and but you know when we find that finally when Sennacherib comes and my goodness you know Sennacherib with two and a half million man army, he had already defeated Egypt, he had already they were just sweeping through the ancient eastern world Sennacherib was unstoppable he was just he would just he, he went into Judea and he just one city after another took them with ease with ease and I I believe he was the king that very cruelly I may have said this here previously that if you if you didn't fight and you surrendered he would let he would let everybody live but all the men had to have their right eye plucked out and that was his mercy <laughs> That was, a, that was his benevolence. I'll let you live, but I'm going to pluck your right eye out so that everybody will know that you are in tribute to Sennacherib. And, you know, when he comes down to Jerusalem and Hezekiah is there, I mean, the odds for Hezekiah were not only insurmountable, they were completely impossible. Sennacherib actually you know, offered Hezekiah a reward if he could put 2,000 men in, in, on horseback. Here he, he's got an army of two and a half million. And he says, you, you can't even field 2,000 men. How are you going to resist me? You trusted in Egypt. I sacked Egypt. No one can stop me. You think your gods can stop me? No one can stop me. And I mean, two and a half million man army mowed down everybody in his path. Egypt fell before him. It, you know, th this was a pretty good threat. And it worked out really good for Sennacherib until the angel of the Lord 
went into his camp in the middle of the night and started busting heads. <laughs> By the time the angel of the Lord got done, half his army was dead and the rest were in disarray and they all fled in retreat the next day. You know why? Because a prophet had said to Isaiah, don't you fear God was going to fight this battle. You're talking about impossible. You're talking about implausible. You're talking about something that, something that, that is so improbable as to be impossible. But you know why that it worked? Because prophetically, all history is controlled by prophecy and always has been. It comes forth with the great goat with the notable horn that smashed the ram. The ram had, of Persia had smashed the Babylonians. And then there was nothing before the Persian Empire. I mean, you know, million man standing army and, and by some ancient historians, you know, and uh, modern day historians, you know, there's a lot of disparity between what they believe. But, but here, here's what they all agree on. When Alexander entered into, when the goat ran toward the, the ram. In the Bible, it says that the ram pushed in every direction and nothing could withstand him until a goat rose up with a notable horn that flew across the ground and smashed into the ram and the ram had no strength against him. That was Daniel's prophecy long, you know, centuries before it came to pass. And when Alexander, here's, here's what they all agree with. Some say, you know, the, the, the Persian Empire could field a million men. Alexander, there's no historian that even suggests he ever at any time had even, had even 50,000 men. Some as low as in the 20,000s. Here's the bottom line that they all agree with. He, had, he was basically outnumbered five to one. And he wasn't fighting farmers. He was fighting a trained army. Warrior, warrior people uh, that, 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 that was, I mean, it, it made it so impossible that, that Alexander couldn't even win. Just like Sennacherib couldn't lose until he did. Alexander couldn't win. I mean, Darius of the Persians, he had a, a 10,000-man King's guard, they were his shock troops, his elite force. They were his special forces. You know what they called them? The immortals. He had a 10,000 man shock troops, special forces called the immortals. And they, they operated in a way that if you killed one and he fell, a next man immediately took his place. And if you killed him, another one immediately took his place. And it was psychologically overwhelming, like we can't kill these guys. Every time we strike them down, they come right back. Because you got 10,000 right behind it coming forward. And this is his elite soldiers. And Alexander goes in with a, with a fifth of that army. And he's fighting trained warriors who had smashed the Babylonians. You're talking about improbable. You're talking about implausible nigh unto impossible, and Alexander doesn't just defeat the Persians, he, he crushes them. Yeah. In three or four major conflicts, crushes them. 
goes into India and fights against those and, and, and defeats them. I mean, it was, it was so improbable, so implausible, so impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Because God had already got Daniel and Daniel wrote it in a book and said that there's a, there's a ram with two horns but there rises up a goat with one notable horn and the ram is invincible until the goat crushes him. Amen. Hitler had those same, that same idea. He had shock troop, a shock troop corps called the SS. I mean, how... How shocking is it to you for a prophet to say the Holocaust was the tender hand of Jehovah? Wait, what? The Holocaust, one of the most cataclysmic events to, for any nation to suffer, for any race of people. And it the horrors were unspeakable. And the prophet says it was the tender hand of Jehovah. Friends, whatever it takes for God to get you home is the tender hand of Jehovah. Don't never lose sight of that, no matter what it requires him to do. And you ought to have the heart today to say, Lord, by whatever means necessary. I came from God. I want to go back to God. There's, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. Even my treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. God's family. I could, I could you know, I, I could almost, you know, wax dramatic like Paul and say, what more could I say? What could I say more? For time would fail me to tell of Moses at the Red Sea, to, to tell of, of Jeremiah. When, when Jeremiah is pleading in prayer against the evil that's going on in Israel, and God, you got to come do something about this. This is terrible. This is contrary to the word. You, you can't just let this go. And the Lord come to him and said, Jeremiah, if I, you, if I told you what I was going to do, you wouldn't even believe me. I'm actually going to bring the king of the north in and he's going to sack the country and kill them wholesale and take them in captivity and then I'm going to restore them back. And then Jeremiah's, no, I was, never mind, forget my prayer. I don't, don't, please don't let that happen. Sometimes if, if the Lord lets us know, I'm glad he doesn't. I'm just, and that's why I just say, Lord, whatever it takes, I don't need to know. I don't want to think about it. I'm just, I'm, I'm humbling myself right now to whatever it takes to make me look like this. Oh, can that be your desire today? You find young men, you find young sisters, married, single, elderly. Can that be your desire today? You know, they're talking about implausible things. There's no way Eve would choose to believe the serpent's word over Elohim, would she? I mean, who would do that? You, you, you try to imagine the shock and awe that Adam 
came into contact with when he, you did, you did what? But, but God said, oh, but, you know, that's just because, you know, he knows that you'll be like him. I found out. I got, I went to a church service and I found out that, that, that you, you don't have to keep all of the word of God. That actually it's just God keeping you down. And uh, really you need to have some modern thinking, Adam. And he knew she was doomed. And only his love for her saved her. There's no way she would do that until she did. You know, the situation of a man born in sin. You want to talk about something impossible? Try to get to heaven born in sin. You have no way. You talk about something so impossible for him to save himself from. Listen, before you're born again, even your human mind is enmity against the word of God. Even if you know it's right, you just can't bring yourself to do it. You have no chance except God rich in mercy. Hallelujah, God rich in mercy. Even if I know I'm going to be destroyed and even if I know it's right and even if I don't want to die and even if I want to go to heaven, I still can't bring myself to it. It's God rich in mercy to come down and change my heart and change my mind. You, you talk about something implausible. I mean, Pilate just knew the Jews would choose Barabbas. There's no way they won't choose. There's no way. Pilate, you know, he's, you can hear him, his exasperation. Well, let him be crucified. Why? What has he done? What sin has he committed? This man has done nothing worthy of death. I'm a judge. I'm a governor. I judge the man. He's done nothing worthy of death. You know, give him a whipping and let him go. It's not the manner of civilized nations. You know, I'm Rome. We're a civilized nation. We don't kill people for no reason. You know, and, and, but, but the Jews were just insane with anger and resentment. And so Pilate just goes for broke. He just says, okay, I know how I'll get out of this. I'll make this thing so implausible, so impossible, so, so there's no way they'll choose Barabbas. Who would you rather that I release unto you, Jesus, the king, you know, Jesus of Nazareth or Barabbas? Barabbas or Jesus? Give us Barabbas. The murderer. Yes, the man who has murdered innocent people. Yes, some of them were your neighbors, we know. Some of them were your family, we know. What has this man done? Nobody defended him that day. That's why Brother Branham said, I'm going to give him a new trial. He said, he didn't get a fair trial on that day. <laughs> I'm going to give him a new trial. Oh, where was the people that could have stood up and spoke for him? And he wouldn't speak because he opened not his mouth. They could have said, are you kidding? You're, we're going to take a murderer who has killed innocent people, who has no compassion for human life and is just a thief and a murderer and will kill to get what he wants. And this man has done nothing but, but help the thousands and feed the thousands multiple times. He's healed our sick. He's raised our dead. He's given us the ways of light and taught us the approach to life. Amen. We're going to choose a murderer? Impossible. Until they did it. They didn't even hesitate. They absolutely were in such a frenzy 
They, they had such a hatred. You know, I mean, I mean, wow. You know, can, I mean, can anyone rightly disbelieve today that we are fighting a, a, a very ancient evil in this world? Brother Branham comes to a message and he calls it the indictment. A lot of audacity. You, you know, they thought you, William Branham, you itinerant, you uneducated idiot. Who are you to, we're doctors of divinity. And you're going to tell us? And, and a prophet says, I'm going to do more than just tell you. I'm going to accuse you of the second crucifixion of the word. And not only am I going to do that, but I'm going to do it in the presence of the judge. And he said, I indict this generation for the second crucifixion of the word. I mean, come on, friends. Nobody in their right mind say, how do you know it's evil? Because nobody in their right mind would choose modern organized Christianity over the truth of this hour. A murderer of the word? Why don't you just be back there and choose Barabbas? Barabbas. Beg your pardon. Why don't you just go back there and choose Barabbas? Because that's what they're doing today. A prophet said, and that's Brother Branham's own words, a murderer of the word. Modern Christianity, so-called a a murderer of the word. A complete antichrist agenda that is against the new word. Uh, that, 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 is, that is against the word of God. I'm here to tell you something, friends. What, what are you looking at with this new year? Amen. What's on your heart? What's on your mind today? Amen. What are you thinking? Are, are you looking for spiritual growth in your home? Are you looking for spiritual growth in the people who live there? Oh my, listen, I, I want you to know you've got two choices You either raise them in the admonition of God in the way they ought to go or Satan will do it for you. Laodicea will do it for you. We see plenty of encouragement from the the spirit of of the Antichrist in Laodicea. You know, and and, and, and you, you see that, don't you? Surely parents see that. I mean, how, how, could we, how could we not see it? The spirit that is leading this age is an antichrist spirit. Listen, Satan has designed it that way. He's designed it that way uh, to, to influence you to be all that you can. Get all you can. Forget the leadership of the word of God, man. Forget that. Do you. Uh, go for it. Be, uh, be everything. Oh, I'm here to tell you, that's the, that's the Laodicean Antichrist spirit. But there is a, another spirit that when I look into the heavens, I say, I want the one that created the stars. I want the one that wrote this word. I want the one that opened the Red Sea. I want the one that destroyed enemy armies when I had no chance. I want the one that gave me a mind that can agree with the word of God. No regard for what then? I, I remember that old Mahalia Jackson song. I used to listen to that as a teenager. I'd play it over and over again. Even, you know, it just stirred my heart, you know. 
The, and even, it's so unique of a song, lyrics are even hard to find. Uh, so I actually had to listen to the song again and, and just jot down a few of the real burners. And Brother Branham talks about this very song in 1955 in Melchizedek, Prince and King. And she says, when the choir has sung its last anthem, I should have played her singing it to you today. And the preacher has prayed his last prayer. And the people have heard their last sermon. And the world that's rejected its Savior will be asked for a reason. She says, what then? When the choir sung its last anthem, when you've ever heard the last sermon you'll ever hear on this life, what then? When the world stands there on that day at the judgment bar. I, I remember Brother Ernie told me just sometime before he passed away, he had a dream. And he said, Brother Jason, he come telling me about it. He said, Brother Jason, he said, in my dream, I saw millions of people stand before the throne of God. And he said, I, and, and God asked them when they stood before his throne. And he said, Here, he said, every person that stepped up, God asked them the same question. They bowed their head and went away. Next person stood up. He said, there were millions just coming up before the throne. And he said, every time somebody stepped up before the throne, he said, God would say to them, what did you do with the last years of your life when you knew I was coming? When a world that's rejected its Savior, Jackson sang, they will be asked for a reason. What then? You know, I, I'm just going to skip some parts here. I finished off on the last service that I preached to you in 2023 with an encouragement to let that year go with all of its failures and let's, let's have revival and let's start again with a new purpose Amen. to move forward. We talked about, you know, the sad day that it was for the world and yet in a strange twist, it's a happy and a triumphant day for the bride. I mean, that's, both, that's not only a paradox, that's a mind bender. I mean, how is something so tragic for the world just what lies just ahead for them? How, how do you get your mind around that as a reality? And that's a reality. Versus we who are not on the other side yet, we're still right here in the midst of all of this. And for us, it's a happy day. Say, so you love the world? Not at all. See, you say, well, then how, how can you be thrilled? Because Jesus said to me, when I see all of these things, look up. Your redemption draweth nigh. I can't wait to be on the other side. Amen. Hallelujah, friends. It is so, it is such a wonderful thought to me. I close my eyes and I just think about my life in glory. 
my life, not somewhere beyond the blue, right back here, right on this earth with a millennial world, no stress, no anxiety, nothing pressing you, not, no mistakes, no failures, no sickness, no pains, no heartaches, no, no taxes. <laughs> Amen. No, no anxiety, no, I mean, wake up every day with no anxiety at all. Nothing to worry about. Amen. Amen. It, it, I'm sorry, and, I, and it is sad. It's, Brother Branham comes to his last sermon in 1964, I believe it is, and he starts talking about that. He said, it's a very sad day for the world, he said, because it must now go off into complete insanity. And that was 64, and it certainly has happened. But he says, what a glorious time it is for the believer. So, you know, that, that was my message to you. Last time, the year's ending, but I'm not ending. The year's ending. One of these years is going to be, it's going to be the last year. But the, 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 the world order is ending, but I'm not ending. You're not ending. Oh, how many, I'm here to tell you something, friends. The, I'm not ending. I'm just getting started. The blood of Christ. Can you, can you think about that? You remember, we're saved by grace through faith. But, and so you say, well, I... Brother Brown says, what does the blood do? Brother Brown says, the blood keeps you. Yes. You're saved by grace through faith, but the blood keeps you. Well, how, what, is, what does that even mean? The blood perpetually speaks for you. Yes. There's a perpetual blood yes. sacrifice laying there so that no matter what mistakes God's family would make, God can't see it. He, he doesn't even aware of it because, because the blood of Christ is speaking beautiful things. Yes. The, the blood of Christ is just constantly, oh, friends, it's a perpetual thing. I, I, it's, not, it's not that I, it's, I, you know, I don't have unlimited lives. What, what, what I have, I mean, the, the blood of Christ gives me unlimited restarts. If I, if I end last year and I'm disappointed, well, I can restart. If I make a mistake, I can restart. Hallelujah, I can repent. It's not unlimited lives, it's it's a life that's eternal. It's a life that never ends. I have eternal life. Wherever I have failed, I can rebuild. That's what it is. And that's what the blood is. And that's what the blood does. See? That's what it is. And that's what it does. I'm going to close with this. I've explained to you what the blood is and what it does. But what it is not, the blood of Christ is not a get out of jail free card. The blood of Christ is not a get out of responsibility card. As Brother Branham said, an overcomer doesn't get pushed through a piper you know, and another way of saying that is poured into a mold and the mold closes and you dry and then he pulls and pops you out. What a glorious overcomer. Brother Ram says, you know, pushing you through a pipe, meaning like pushing you through a form and bending you, you know. It's not about that. And, and the, the overcomer doesn't get pushed through a pipe or formed out of a mold. The work is still there to do and I have to face it and you have to face it. Yes, the old year is gone. The new year is here. Now, what are you going to do about it? I know what the world is doing, but I, all know, but I also know what God is calling for in my life and in your life. It's really just this simple. Who will accept the challenge? 
Who will say, Lord, I'll take the way. I'll take the challenge. I'll move forward. I want your life. I want your victory. If this is my last year, I know you're coming and I want it to count. The work is still there to do. I'm, I'm challenged to achieve victory, not just in this life. You're challenged to, re, to, to achieve victory, not just in the life to come, but in the life you have now. Right now, teenagers, you are challenged to let the mind which was in Christ be in you. It ain't all up to mom and dad to do it or brother Jason to do it. It's you. You have to say, what shall I do with Jesus called the Christ? Isaac Watts published a, a lot of songs, some of them very familiar to us. 1721, he wrote a certain song. He lived in that era. He wrote, Alas, and did my Savior bleed? He wrote, When I survey the wondrous cross. He wrote, We're marching to Zion. He wrote, Joy to the world. Isaac Watts, great, gallant Christian man. 1721, he wrote a song that Brother Branham quoted often, quoted a, 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 a few bars. And he wrote a song called, Am I a Soldier of the Cross? Now it's a self-answering question. He, he's, he's actually going to pose it as a question. Am I a soldier of the cross? But then he's going to prove it to himself that he is and that if he is, then this must be true, this reality. If, if this is true, then this must be true. And he writes, Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? That's a good question. Don't you think that's a fair question? Am I a soldier of the cross? Ask yourself that today. Am I a soldier of the cross? What says, am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? Shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? And here's the one Brother Branham often uh, talked about. Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? A gripping question. What do you want, a free ride? Well, you don't want to do your part? Is that your caliber? You might be a fine young man, a fine young sister, but are you, are you going to let everybody else do your fighting, do your praying, do your living? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while others fought to win the prize and sailed through bloody seas? Verse 3, are there no foes for me to face? Must I not stem the flood? Is this vile world a friend of grace to help me on to God? That's a wonderful conclusion. I just say, yes, sir. This world and all of its evil is in one way a friend of grace because it's spurring me. I want out of here. I want another world. I want another existence. He says, sure. That's how he opens the fourth verse. Sure. And here's where Brother Branham would pick it up. Sure. I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. That ought to be our desire today to say I must, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. I'll bear the toil, endure the pain, supported by the word. 
Thy saints in all this glorious war. Did you know it's a war? Did you know it's a war? Do you know it's a war against evil and, and, and against darkness and light? Against Satan and God? Do you understand that's what's going on here? Thy saints in all this glorious war shall conquer though they die. They see the triumph from afar by faith discerning eye. <laughs> when that illustrious day shall rise and all thy armies shine in robes of victory through the skies, the glory shall be thine. Oh, friends, I'm not looking to be a charity case. I, I don't want somebody else doing my fighting for me. I want to win my portion in the promised land. Hallelujah. Bring on this new year. Bring it on. Bring on this new year. And as many more as there are out there, and I hope there's only a few, but I, I'm, quite sh and I'm quite sure that I'll make more missteps and make more mistakes, and I'm quite sure you will too. But when it's all over, I'll still be here. When it's all over, when Satan is a fading memory, I'll still be here. Hallelujah. 10,000 years. We'll just be started. Amen. Do you believe that today? Brother Anthony, you're going to have to come sing, uh, sing that again, the more that I surrender. Stand up, friends. Let's stand. I was, I was amazed that, uh, that Brother Anthony was singing that song. The... The, the, the trials, the problems I face, oh my, and all of that. And, and now it's just, it's just a part of victory. It's fading from my memory, friends. This is, this is exactly what we have lived for. This last day, the bride of Christ has toiled for 2,000 years. And 10,000 years from now, 2,000 years won't seem like nothing. I know this life can sometimes seem hard. But listen, friends, the new year is ahead of you. And I, the Lord may, may direct you to implausible things that would even be impossible. But I'm here to tell you, you can trust Him. You can trust Him. He's never failed. He's never lost a battle. He's in control of it all. So, you know, it, for me, I was, I, was, I was all too happy just to let go of 2023. Good grief. When I was a kid, I never thought I would see 2023. And, and, and now I've, I've already been there, done that, and just say, let it go. Let it go. I got a new year ahead of me. What if this is the last one? What if this is the last one? Are you able to look around and say, friends, 10,000 years will just be started. Amen. 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 Let's sing it, Brother Tony. We'll sing it with you now, the parts we know. The more... Control more than I can humble myself, the more it lifts me up, and every day I live, Lord, I love you more. 
some words, Sister Brenda Rose. Sing it, brother. I'm standing on solid ground. Yes, hallelujah. And I know I'm headed to my future home. The voice I hear is yours alone. Every day. Every day I Every day. Lord, I love you more. Come on. More than I surrender. Listen to this now. The problems I had on yesterday right? are mere stepping right? stones to stepping a higher place. Those trials that seem so awesome to me are now, are now my banners oh, And I know and I'm I know. headed to my Lord, we thank you today. The more that I surrender, the more I love you more. Lord, it's all about more. It's all about going forward. It's all about that day coming. Master, I don't want a shortcut. I don't want somebody to do my fighting for me. I want to face, Lord God, this age through every improbable, implausible, or impossible situation. I know that your hand is guiding me. I know that your hand is on our lives, Lord, and that's how we want it to be. Now, I pray, Master, that everyone in this building, out here now, present, and out across the airwaves, Lord, will, will have, a, have a conference with God. 
May every person, Lord, a prophet said it's our right to every son and daughter of God. It's the right to have a conference with God. Lord, I pray right now, just before we close this service, feeling led of your spirit. We didn't, we didn't come here, Lord, to just take some high-octane delivery to try to wow people. That's never what it's about. We come here with a burden of the word for your people. And I pray today that everyone who needs to have a conference, what a time to have a conference with God, the first Sunday of the new year ahead. Lord, may we each now in our own way, Lord, take this time, humble ourselves afresh, make a determination afresh in our own heart, Lord. Let, let all of these fine young men, let all of these fine young ladies let all of the single, let all of the married, let all of the middle-aged, let all of the elderly, Lord, let us make a determination today. Say, Father, I'm going to press forward. I know you're coming soon. If this is the last year of, of life on earth or if it's the last year of my life, it doesn't matter. I know that, as a prophet said, doesn't matter if I'm consumed and uh, by animals and or if I'm burned and my ashes scattered to the four winds to the trumpet will sound he'll know it's me I'll rise up and every element will come right back to it everything the devil has taken from us and robbed us of it Jesus Christ will give it back you secure us Lord in our inheritance you secure our loved ones you, we place faith in you for these things I pray that everyone, Lord, from this very first day will have a conference of rededication and a conference of recommitment. May it be so, Lord God. We know that you oftentimes, almost, in, almost all the time, you, you, you call us to march to a different tune, to not follow the sound, the siren song of Laodicea, but to follow the voice of the word I pray today that you'll give us that strength, give us that faith, encourage our heart to do that, Lord, as we go forth from this building. For however many more times you will privilege us to, to sit here again and hear the word of God. May we trust you completely. May we serve you entirely, giving our whole heart, mind, body, and soul to you. I commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this as just before we go. Sing it, Brother Tony. There's a voice. Brother Andrew, fine. Yep, praise the Lord. Mm. From an old Oh, my friend. You sense the change in the atmosphere. Holy Spirit dealing with hearts. That's what does that. Why don't you just make a fresh commitment to Him today? Don't leave this building the way you came. Leave better. Say, Lord, help me today. Let my heart be purified, oh God. Let my mind be cleansed. My purposes realigned to the world. Granted, Jesus, in me you will find. My sister Debbie and I used to sing this way back in the day. And whatever, whatever it takes. Draw closer to you, Lord. 
let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and daughters sing. I'm surrendering my all. I surrender to. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and daughters. 